This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And we are just having discussion off air. We haven't seen Podcast Mike in a while because we're recording in person these days. And uh, we're still wondering what this head-turning attire will be. Next week, I believe, Will, we'll find out. Well, I don't know. Will we be in the same place again next week? Will we have to just Skype him in regardless? We'll Skype him in. I mean, he's the one who put sizzle on it. Exactly. We don't want to then not see him. We don't want to bury this sizzle. It's the first sizzle we've ever had. It's the first radiocraft we've ever shown on this podcast. I get the feeling it's not just for us. I reckon there is something happening. A new look. I did see something in his social media about something happening in two weeks with one of his other pods, and I'm wondering if it's all that he might might be doing a bit of (laughs) cross-promotion, leveraging off the back of us. Okay. I don't know. I'm guessing. Maybe. Maybe he's going to launch a new look. I like the idea of like podcast Mike launching a uniform look. He's just like up until this point, I've been experimenting with different styles. I've had my um, emo emo phase. phase. I've had my real slip M and M phase. <laughs> I've had my just come back from a run phase, and now I'm settling on a look. Ziggy, I'm Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> Imagine if podcast Mike decides to go through. And by the way, I'm a hundred percent behind it. Yep, like. Great thing to bring up in interviews when people ask you about the podcast. You're like, we've got this gun producer, his name's Podcast Mike. Rocks as you can start us, look. I'll get your photo. You can put it in the article. People would love that. That would be yep. new news for the podcast. So now I'm going to be disappointed if it's anything less than Podcast I Mike know. launching a Ziggy Stardust style look. <laughs> well, that would be a, a head turner. Ziggy Poddust. <laughs> he rebrands. Ziggy Poddust. I love it. I love it. Well, no pressure, Mike. Uh, But, Will, we have bigger fish to fry in this episode. Uh, The TOFOP email has blown up in response to Macho Fop. TOFOP search for our most macho listener. Um, As we all uh, know, last week Elias from Norway wrote to us and uh, told us about being kicked by the biggest horse in Norway. The biggest horse in all of Norway. Got a lot of chatter on the internet this week. A lot of chatter. A lot of conversations around... The relative size of horses in Norway. Yes. That's what I got a lot of. I got a lot of people going, horses in Norway aren't even that big. I'm like, what a thing to A, know, and B, a thing to shit on out of a podcast. Like, we rarely get complaints about the podcast, apart from, you know, the sound quality and the way we speak. But other than that... <laughs> and our lack of manliness. And How unmatched are we are. respond to our mail. But other than those main complaints... You're missing the most important... I saw that tweet. That... Yeah. Tweet well, I got was, several tweets along that thing. Well, a couple of Instagram messages. But that also. one specifically yeah. was from a guy from Sweden. And we had inadvertently triggered a Scandinavian war of words. Oh. Because he was saying, like, bloody Danes with their tiny horses and blah, blah, blah. And, you oh. know, Sweden's where it's at. And then an Aussie chimed in. It was like, bloody Sweden, you know, come down to Australia. We've got poisonous, poisonous snakes and blah, blah, blah. Swede guy then responds with, 
all Norwegians are poisonous snakes. And I'm all like, Norwegians? <laughs> have we got involved in some sort of race war? war? Yeah, race war. It's yeah. a race war. Yeah. All, if you say all Norwegians are like poisonous snakes. Well, isn't that violate Twitter's terms of like harassment? Isn't, isn't that targeted, targeted harassment? Targeted hate speech. <laughs> based on, you'd have to at least have one of those. Uh, this has been disputed. Yeah, this <laughs> Norwegians are not poisonous snakes. <laughs> I have a poisonous snake in my office right now with a Norwegian accent <laughs> and a piece of wood, Norwegian wood, and he is making a very good point. Now, um, uh, the good news is Elias has written back, and I, I hopefully I haven't read ahead with this, but hopefully we're going to get some clarity around this uh, this horse. So well, what we want to know is if he was indeed, firstly, actually kicked by the biggest horse in Norway because we weren't even sure whether that was an exaggeration of a pre-existing story. Actually, right? be- before we get to that, let's get to this uh, email from Tim. Okay. Uh, who is talking about Norway's biggest horse. Okay. Of course, great. that's the subject line because it's interesting. He says, like, hey, boys, I couldn't resist a quick Google after listening to the Macho Norwegian story and I reckon the line about Norway's biggest horse may not refer uh, may not refer to the one and only biggest of all time horse in Norway, but instead to the biggest of all the Norwe- Norwegian horse breeds, the doll. The heaviest dolls, uh, the heaviest of the dolls breeds of Norwegian horses is known as the Gust. Oh fuck! I'm going to fuck this up. Gudbran, Gudbradanstarten. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, poisonous snakes. <laughs> Gudbradanstarten or something like that. Gudbradanstarten. <laughs> Good. Baden-Staden. That sounds let racist. me let me yeah, let me. That sounds like a made-up racist person going good Baden-Staden. I'm going to break it down into syllables. Okay, good. good brand Stalin. Good brand Stalin. Good brand Stalin. Good, Stalin. Good, has Stalin. A good, good brand. brand Stalin. Good brand. Strong brand Stalin. People will remember you in hundreds of years. Good brand Stalin, which means the valley of God's uh, the valley of God's sword or something similar. Okay. And so he's given us a link to this horse and have a look at it. So we can probably take a look. It's on globetrotting.com.au. Literally trotting. So that's a Norwegian. That's the biggest breed of horse in Norway. Magnificent looking I admire its animal. mullet. <laughs> yeah. Like that horse has a proper mullet. Did you think it was going to have a blonde mane? I mean, the fact that a Norwegian horse has a brunette mane, that threw me off. Well, it is... Uh... Yeah, I guess... It I, looks like Jason Momoa. <laughs> it's the Jason Momoa of horses. If Jason Momoa was in some sort of CGI animated film and you were like voiced by Jason Momoa, that's what the biggest horse in Norway... Do you reckon Jason Momoa would do a Norwegian accent? No. Okay. No, Jason Momoa does his surfer bro. It'd be like, my man, <laughs> my man, get me some hay, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Block of sugar, my man. my man. I'm from Norway, my man. He'd throw up a shaka with Radical. his wolf. <laughs> okay, so the doll's the largest of Norway's four native horse breeds. It okay. originated in the Good Brandstalen, uh, Good Brandstal Valley of east of Norway. And while organised breeding only began in the 19th century, the breed itself is thought to date back to blah 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 blah. You know what I like so far about this? We haven't even got to Elias's letter. Yeah. But Elias is now going to have to write to us again next week to just say how close you got to any of those. Words. <laughs> oh no! Don't please don't. So it's a heavy, cold-blooded horse, but it is amongst the smallest of all the cold-blooded breeds. So it is the biggest of the Norwegians, but the smallest of the cold-blooded. Now, that must be... That's not a literal term. They're not like a s- reptiles, are they? Because all Norwegians are. Poisonous <laughs> serpents. Even their fucking horses, mate. Even their horses are just giant fucking snakes dressed up as a horse. Uh, because of their, of their size, they are agile as well as fast and strong. 
They've been used for a variety of tasks and disciplines, race, uh, va- uh, ranging from harness racing to heavy draft work. Being a workhorse and a carriage horse, it was selectively bred for both elegance and smooth ground-covering paces, both for refinement and substance. It's sounding to me like a um, Clydesdale. It sounds like Norway's Clydesdale. Feels a little more graceful than a Clydesdale to me. You think? Yeah. All right, let's get back to Elias's letter. More info on the biggest horse in Norway. Thank you. Hi again, Will and Charlie. I just need to open with that. Everything in my last email was 100% true. It's good to know. I feel better about that because imagine if it had been some kind of Sasha Baron Cohen stunt. (laughs) The clue was in my name, Elias. Yeah. It was a lie. He lies. My horse. (laughs) (laughs) You should have known. My wife, my horse. (laughs) Now that's out of the way. Here's some details on the horse situation. My father is the proud owner of the biggest horse in the world. Shut up. Shut up. No. It weighs 1,400 kilos and is enormous. It is still alive, so I can probably get you some pictures. Yes, please. 100%. I can't believe you have not included the pictures with this email. Its name is Boulder. Not Boulder as in the rock, as in B-A-L-D-E-R. Do you know what that's named after? Boulder? Uh, some some other horse that wasn't quite as bold. <laughs> it's a Norse god. Okay. Let's quickly just... Boulder. Find... What is Boulder the Norse god of? I'm going to find out. Boulder Dash. Do you reckon that's where that comes from? So how is it spelt, Boulder? Well, he spelt it B-A-L-D-E-R, but okay. according to Wikipedia, it's B-A-L-D-R. Okay. Well, it's a, but it's sometimes spelled Boulder as well. Yeah, that, that's, that's his app. Boulder. <laughs> Finds other giant horses to have sex with. Let's you know when there's another giant horse within five kilometers. Boulder is a Norse god and the son of Odin and the goddess of Frigg. <laughs> Frigg. Frigg. Frigg and L. That's where that comes from. Yeah, right. He has numerous brothers, such as Thor and Vali. Do you need to get up? No, it's fine. Okay. It wasn't a light. Okay. <laughs> I've dropped something that wasn't a light. It's fine. Uh, okay. During the 12th century, Danish accounts by uh, Saxo Grammaticus and other Danish Latin chroniclers recorded an account of his story. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. What, so what was this fellow's name? Saxo Glad. What is it? It's a pretty good name. Saxo Grammaticus. Saxo Grammaticus. (laughs) Sounds like he's from Asterix, right? He's like a librarian in Asterix. And I am Saxo Grammaticus. And this is my brother, Clarinetto Grammaticus. (laughs) (laughs) From the Woodwind family. Uh, The old Norse god, Boulder, his name probably stems from the Proto-Germanic hero or prince of Old Norse language. Okay. Da, 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 da. That's just about his name. It doesn't really say much about his personality. Okay. Boulder. He's in mythology. We know that. God, there's a lot of stuff about where he appears, but no description of his personality type. Ironically, quite shy. Yeah. Very reclusive. Boulder. Huh. There's really not much about his personality. Okay. All right, let's get back to Elias's letter. Yeah. Okay. It's named Boulder after the Norse god. <clears throat> How I got kicked. I had my mate. Do you say mate in Norway? Or are you just like colloquializing for our benefit? 
I think he might be colloquializing. 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 That's my specific. Colloquially. My specific. Oh God. My specificity is colloquializing. I cannot say that. I can't say specific. Colloquializing. 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 Oh boy. I had my mate from the city over for a visit. He told me he was afraid of horses. <laughs> so I, of course, took him over to the biggest one to show him that the horse was my friend yeah. and there was no reason to be afraid. Great. And to brag about my dad having the biggest horse in Norway. I would bring it up at any possibility. Anyway, the horse must have been in a bad mood because when I walked over it to give it some grass, it kicked me in the back. I was launched into the ground, hitting my head pretty hard leaving me with some very oddly uh, with some with a very oddly shaped back of my head my mother luckily found me and unlike my father rushed me to the hospital i luckily had just broken bone a bone and gotten a concussion which bone do you reckon he broke back he kicked, oh, kicked in the back so probably like a rib or something like that you reckon maybe to quote the doctor you could have died <laughs> if you still don't believe me i will get a picture of the horse and some of my scars and a red guitar solo <laughs> I do believe you, but I still want all those three things. Send that all through. By the way, we also have a very small horse. (laughs) (laughs) Love from your Norwegian friend, Elias. Which we mock relentlessly. (laughs) We take it and we put it next to Boulder and go, look at you, Pebble. That's how they pitched a movie. They went into Disney with the big horse and little horse. And they said, twins. twins. (laughs) These horses are twins. Can I? I'm going to voice one of them with Jason Momoa. Here's what I love. He's his mum found him, yeah. right? So that means the mate. I'm very interested in the mate because the mate is terrified of horses. And then Elias is like, I'll prove my mate wrong. I'll go down, show him the biggest horse he's ever seen. So he's already traumatised, this kid who's afraid of horses. And then you show him the biggest horse you've ever seen. Not just the biggest horse he's ever seen. The biggest horse in all of Norway. And then suddenly that big horse kicks Elias in the back like in the back of his head, in the back. In the back. He, he gets a head. concussion. He hits his head. What happened to the mate? Shat his pants. Like literally. Out. His greatest fear has come through. His greatest through. fear. Essentially, Elias led a friend. This is like the start of a Stephen King fucking film. Yeah. Do you think he's done? I'm interested in his story. Or is it? Isn't there like a a, a treatment that people do with phobias, where it's like exposure therapy, where yeah. you're meant to kind of like oh. show them that thing that they're afraid of, and then they get over it? Maybe it was just a shortcut to get his friend and over now it. Now he's Norway's greatest jockey. <laughs> <laughs> he's Norway's man from Snowy River. He's the man from Boulder River. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get to some more entrants. We've had a lot. Uh, a lot of Aussies got their noses out of joint because we told them to lift their game. Good. Um, uh, hey guys, I was very happy to hear you uh, hear your reaction to my letter. Sorry, this is from Ian. I don't remember him specifically, but quickly to go through the points you mentioned. My, oh, he's American, so we're asking if uh, the Aussie accent sounds more much if we sound macho because of the Aussie accent. So, my son listens to some Aussie YouTube streamers. You and Will sound manly, but I can state plainly that is not all Aussies do. Shout out to Laserbeam, my son and my favorite streamer from Down Under. Laserbeam. Shout out Laserbeam. Okay. He's probably got heaps more followers than us, probably in the millions. Oh, do you want me to Google yeah, it? Yeah, please. So, la- 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 Laserbeam, but spelt with a Z, like Lazar, Lazar Vidovic, the uh, St. Kilda Ruckman, 
who was shamefully rubbed out of the 97 final so, series. L-A-Z-A-R. A-R-B-E-A-M. Oh, it comes up. It auto-completes laser beam. So, he's, he's well-searched. Okay, so... What do you want to know about Laser Beam? Let's just How many followers, out. subscribers? Laser Beam YouTube channel. Okay. Australian YouTuber Laser Beam has. Uh, all right. I am going to. So here's a video of him. So it'd be subscribers. Yeah. Um, but if you go to his actual channel, I'll tell you how I many he has overall. Channel. Oh. Uh, oh, okay. Great. So it's more than us. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. Okay. Is it- so now we're playing a game of how much more than us, how much more famous than us is Laser Beam. Is it in the millions? Yes. Oh, fuck me, Dad. Um, does he have two million subscribers? I mean, that'd be pretty impressive, but I am more impressed. <laughs> uh, 10 million? I mean, 10 million would be a lot of fucking subscribers just to watch you play Fortnite. But it turns out, Charlie... It's more than that. Fuck off. 20 million. 17.3 million subscribers. And give me a... So he just plays... It's it's like a Twitch thing. He just plays video games and people... Look, I don't want to... Hang on. Sorry, that sounded dismissive. Let me just state, for the record, I'm an old man and this new world of entertainment and entertainers uh, baffles me. So if I sound dismissive, it's not because I am dismissing what he does. It's just because I, I'm ignorant. Okay. So he has his top video, the first one that comes up, is called I Won Without Moving. Uh, This is my greatest Fortnite video ever. It goes for 11 minutes and 46 seconds. It has been viewed how many times? Oh, Uh, again, in the millions, right? Six months months ago he put up this video. Okay, so has he exceeded his number of total followers, subscribers to his channel? Yes. Fuck me. Um, Has he more than doubled it? No. No, okay. no, 22,800. No, 22 million. 22,828,948 views. Can he just give a shout out to Tofop? <laughs> I mean, we've given him one. <laughs> yeah. It's only fair. Quid pro quo. He just gives one in return. I mean, I didn't know who he was or what he did, and I still oh, kind of don't know. really know. <laughs> but shout can we get a out shout out? Laser, laser Beam. beam? Um, all wow. right. So Ian continues. Yeah. Florida is a stand your ground state. About five years ago, a man from my hometown of about 2,000 people in Illinois was killed in Tampa after he told someone to quiet down in a movie theater. It really can feel like the wild, wild west here at times. Yeah. That is something that we don't often have to deal with in Australia, do we? Like that idea that you could be at a public place and someone gets offended by what you've said and they shoot you. When I was first living in LA, it was something that was pointed out to me by a friend about driving in traffic. They said, you've just got to be really fucking careful about like cutting anybody off, like, you know, just not, you know, missing a light, those sort of things, because people can overreact and they will have like guns in their cars. That, what that friend should have said to get the same point is like, Will, you should drive around with a gun. <laughs> I think that's what they said. I, did I interpreted it <laughs> yeah. as uh, there was no person. I was literally about to say I was a foreign citizen. I had a visa, but it's not like they're going to let me go into Walmart and buy a gun. But the truth of it is, they probably, probably would have. Yeah, you'd <laughs> yeah. be fine. Yeah. Um, oh, so Ian was the guy who did that barroom brawl that we watched, okay, that, right. that that pub fight. Yes. Um, there was no purse to win in the bar fights. It was 100% a dick measuring contest. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, it's... It's depending on your interpretation of the word dick. Well, it was actually followed by a literal dick measuring contest. 
Um, they would hold tournaments where you could win a trophy or a belt, but those were few and far between. The two guys who I fought were best friends who wanted to fight but were afraid to do it alone. Oh, oh yeah. that's sad. Oh, I'm, glad nice. I'm, glad I'm glad they. I'm glad they found the courage to look back on that when they're all <laughs> remember when we beat the shit out of Ian. <laughs> When we ganged up on him in what was meant to be a three-way fight and we just bashed that guy together. Ah, oh, memories. Bonded for life. I was reassured that they would uh, that they would hit each other during the fight. <laughs> this should have been my first clue that things were amiss. But I had driven 90 minutes to the fight show. Hey, Ian, for no real reason, we're definitely not going to both gang up on you. We're going to hit each other. We're just pointing that out for no absolutely reason. Absolutely no reason. Uh, I'd driven 90 minutes to get to the fight and I had gone home with no challenges before so I never turned down a fight okay I mean that's a good much I think that is, never turned down a, a fight a man who never turns down a fight yeah but isn't that also like the Marty McFly thing if he can't if someone calls him chicken like it's actually an Achilles heel to never turn down a fight because oh, you can no. be manipulated it's 100% a terrible way to live your life is Marty but Mc... at least he's committed to his ethos is Marty McFly macho I mean he's a man of action and he fights and he skates and he plays rock and roll. He kind of is macho, but he's uh, whiny. <laughs> he's, he's a whiny, panicked teenager as so well. So basically he's the perfect TOEFOP listener. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's our version of macho. If you can skateboard behind a car, you're macho in our books. I mean, by, by definition, the rules we've established, you know, like he sort of gets involved in dangerous practices. Yeah. He lives a bit outside of the rules. He doesn't mind getting physical when he has to. He's honourable, which we also like. That's part of our macho criteria. But he doesn't. He's not Indiana Jones. No, you're right. So macho then must come down because if you're just taking it purely on to the what actions, what sort of hat you wear? Exactly. Or if you have stubble <laughs> or a ripped shirt. I mean, I must be macho. I'm always sporting stubble. I think Michael J. Fox just doesn't look a macho, but that's just us judging macho on how macho looks. And we've decided that that's not our definition of macho. Our definition of macho is, yeah, macho more than that. <laughs> uh, P.S. It, uh, it gave me hope to hear Chris's story about his heart attacks. As a 40-year-old with no insurance, I now have a plan for my heart health. I hope he's doing well. Well, that's fucking... That's a kind of macho we want. Compassionate macho. Yeah, from a guy who always makes good decisions, <laughs> like never refusing a fight when he doesn't have insurance. <laughs> Literally, you don't have insurance. The one thing you should be doing when you don't have insurance is avoiding situations <laughs> where you, can you get need injured. medical attention. <laughs> but you're just like, no, no, no. I never refuse a fight. I'm an honourable man. Will you be pleased to know we have another female entrant in Macho Fight? This is from Kat. Uh, she subject is Macho Female. Two Colin Fop for submission into the female subcategory. Not a subcategory. There is no subcategories. Co-category. It's a co-category. Not even a co-category. It's just open. You know what? It's, a, it's an open book. It's an open bloody no contest. Rules. There are no rules. There are no rules other than the rules we <laughs> said last <laughs> week and forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I can make a bonfire from only items of nature and three matches. Uh-huh. That's immediately more macho than me. Yeah, I reckon I could do that now. If you got me six months ago, no way I could have done that. But I've but spent now the last in- five weeks clearing shit out of my garden from the storm and like making burn piles and like understanding, you know, how nature works. You know what? What three items would you need then? What would be your preference? So dry- grass, dry grass like kindling and then some nice big logs. You know what it is? 
doesn't really matter as long as it's different sizes. Right. That's what it I've. Need, it needs to be. That's what I've worked out. It's all just about the you need a progression of things that you can burn, and you, then you need to like know what a triangle is. You can basically start a bonfire anywhere if you know how to make a TP and you know which things are bigger than other things. <laughs> I survived in Africa for six plus months in areas without running water or okay. electricity. Yep. Good, much very much. Yep. Carrying my water from the well to be boiled and for bathing. I have gone through large rapids on the Nile. Oh, yeah. I've climbed a mountain. Okay. I survived a parasite that tried to kill me and landed me in hospital. I've survived living in the ghetto of Could an... To be Amer- honest, undersold climbed a mountain yeah. in that run. There was a whole bunch of things there that I was very impressed with. And then I was like, I've climbed a mountain. You have. Oh, no, she's saying cat has. Cat has. But you haven't climbed a mountain, have you? Have you not climbed a mountain? Didn't you know. go on some school excursion or but whatever? Does that count? I, I think she's talking about like, like a you know, for a week to go up Kilimanjaro. You've or been like to that. Tasmania, right? No. Oh yeah, but I've never climbed a mountain there. Okay, I've but, climbed like, but you know, ranges, mountain yeah, ranges. But what I'm saying is, when you're in Hobart or whatever, you know that big mountain that you can see. Yeah, like yeah. Cradle Mountain. Okay. Right? I think that's the one. Oh, no, maybe there's a different one in town. But anyway, Cradle Mountain is in... Cradle Mountain and Lake St. Clair is their big sort of... It's their version of Kakadu. It's their national parks. And it's... When I was in year 11 or year 12 on Duke of Edinburgh, we went and we climbed Cradle Mountain. It took us six days. And we... Really? Had to, like, you know, like build snow caves and huh. sleep in the snow no, in our sleeping bags. And, like... Yeah, so it was a real... And um, our... Uh, oh, I love this part of the story because you could only have it had to be something that you'd um, an adventure as part of your Duke of Edinburgh thing is it was all sort of you know things that you did but one of them had to be a sort of an outdoors adventure and I think for Silver we had canoed through the Gippsland Lakes and it was like three days or four days but this was like five or six days it had to be this whole thing you had to demonstrate all these skills along the way and you only allowed to have one, I think, one adult supervisor. Wow. So, like, because it was meant to be about, you know, you yeah, coping on your own and, and yeah. doing all these things. But you still had an, an adult supervisor. And our adult supervisor took um, alcohol on the trip and <laughs> let us drink alcohol on this thing. And it was like a mix of red wine and port. I still remember it. It tasted delicious. And I got real buzz on. Because, like, you're hiking all day. And then we're, like, around a bonfire at night. I don't know. There's what? something immediately suspicious so, about like a, like a guy who goes camping with young boys and feeds them alcohol by the fire. So, Charlie, <laughs> two questions yeah. to follow up. There. Yeah. What subject did that teacher teach at my school and under which circumstances did he have to leave the school? He was, I reckon, PE teacher also was a tennis coach. <laughs> PE teacher? Yeah, tennis coach, swimming coach. <laughs> well, PE, just general PE at okay. our school. Yeah, so PE teacher. And he was asked to leave because he da- he had sex with one of the students. Well, allegedly. Right. <laughs> what do you mean allegedly? He quit, obviously. There was, I don't think they ever like went through uh, like a formal, but that's... I, he I tended his resignation, was which yeah, is was, yeah. as good as... Yeah. They did what they did in those days, which was... Well, they didn't really. Like, if if you've listened to Teacher's Pet, he probably could have got a promotion. (laughs) He's he's now principal of that school. He married her and he's principal. The school's now exclusively (laughs) hot chicks. Like, he really has turned it into this Dan Bilzerian kind of high school. It's strange. There's a 12-part documentary on Netflix. You should watch it. Uh, Okay, so, I mean, this so far is... Is floating my boat. So lived in Africa for six months, no running water. Very strong. Uh, go, uh, like uh, sailed rapids in the Nile. Parasites. Climbed a mountain, parasites. This is all 
Indiana Jones shit, yeah. right? This yeah. is all Indiana Jones. This is exactly what you're talking about. This is the big hat. Yeah. I have survived living in the ghetto of an American city. I have been shot at, robbed, and accidentally left alone in the bush for three days and survived. Okay. I've got so many more questions about how you get accidentally left in a bush. Um, all right. I, that's an easy enough scenario. You uh, just say you're flown, you're on a tourist tour, you're being flown to a remote part of Kakadu or whatever like that, and they give you an hour to go off and explore. There is some kind of confusion about numbers because someone was sick and they didn't get on the tour and then the numbers got thrown out and the person doing the head count got confused and they get... You know how those people got left behind um, from that, that shark tour? There was a couple who went diving and they drove off while they're, they're still swimming around. Okay. So I do understand that there is some possibility yeah. that there could be a miscount. I think they have to be very paranoid about those things. I think it would be unusual if somebody didn't notice that you weren't there on the way back or for three other days. <laughs> or even... To be generous, if they've gone a day and a half away and it takes a day and a half to get back, yeah. surely somehow in a day and a half, somebody would be like, hey, where's Jimmy? I just think it depends. Like I know my sister works for, you know, parks and um, she also works for Department of Conservation and they often will go out and they'll do some like, you know, they'll be doing some head count of breeding grounds or whatever and they'll all go off for a few days at a time and do the head count, I could imagine that it's just that you send off five staffers for they're going to be gone for three days and they come back and it's been a shitty couple of days and never it's raining, everyone wants to get in the car, that you get an hour and a half down the road and you're like, fuck, we forgot about Sophie. Oh, well, we'll get her in three days. We'll get her in three when days. Back Mate, it's going to take so long to turn her. She'll be fine. She's got food. She's a, she fucking sailed the rapids of the Nile. And Is it Sophie? Is that her name? No, Cat. Cat. Sorry, that's right. Cat. So... Here's, I want to follow up from Kat. Can I please get more details about how you were left in the bush for three days in this, Charlie says, quite common home alone <laughs> down under scenario that you've painted? Um, so you're just going to brush over the fact she's been shot at, shot at and robbed? <laughs> that, that preceded being the left accidentally left in the bush. More likely that you would get shot at and robbed. I know people who've been shot at and robbed. I don't know if these are two separate been, incidents. She's been shot at. And robbed. Shot at, comma, robbed. So I think they're two separate incidents. Mm, unlikely, but if it is two separate incidents, I, I do want to also, in your follow-up letter about the bush. Explain about the shot Also explain that. Yeah. Um, I don't seek out macho uh, through jobs or daily life, but I'm perfectly fine. Uh, sorry, hang on. I don't seek out macho through a job or daily life, but if you ask me to survive through a macho situation, I am a candidate. I'm perfectly fine... Uh, to just be added as an honourable mention. See, this is what I like. Is she's been so humble. She is humble. She's rocketing to the top of the charts, yeah. in my estimation. I don't really need to be part of the competition. Mm-hmm. That kind of cool, calm detachment, uh, you're in. <laughs> we want you. Yeah. But I wanted there to be more female entries. Um, long-time listener, still a mad supporter. This is great. You are, at the, Will, I have to say, she's, my, my, she's a favourite for me because... Most of the the guys and girls we've had writing in last week, a lot of the um, stories about getting injured. Well, fixing motorbikes and cars, drinking beer, looking macho because you've got beards and shit, but then, you know, getting injured or or almost killed. This is someone who just relies on their fucking grit and skill set and mental toughness 
to get through a day, can survive if she needs to. Well, you know what it feels like at the moment? If it's draft day and we're the coaches mm. and we need to send in a macho listener, like if there is some battle of the podcast and you have to get your most macho listener to go into a battle, I think we have three strong nominations. I think Elias surviving this brutal attack by a Norse god <laughs> and living to tell the story. I mean, pretty much. We've got a man who will never say no to a fight on principle. It's the principle that he lives his life on. Despite having no health insurance. No health insurance Ian. at all. So Ian, Ian and Elias are on the leaderboard and, and now Cat rockets into the convention. Well, that's my squad. I'm happy going. I, I'm, I agree. I'm happy going into battle knowing that I've got those three people. You know, if this is my Justice League or my, you know, Avengers, yeah. I feel pretty well protected. And no disrespect to the other guys. They're no. all very much a pursuit. No. But, we've, but got a, in terms we've got a top three. Of, we've got a top three. Yeah. And I think that that Indiana Jones lifestyle, the yeah. adventurer lifestyle, does it for me. Oh, she's followed up. Um, hey guys, I hit you send. You probably want more information about the bush. <laughs> I hit send because apparently my brain cells don't work. I meant to add that I broke my hand in Africa, but decided to fly home to Australia to see a doctor. The only thing I took for pain was Panadol until I got surgery 16 days later. Perfect. There's the fucking the missing injury puzzle yourself. piece, the injury. Yeah. I'm an Australian citizen but my father's her- uh, by my father's heritage, but I'm also and very reluctantly American by birth. Okay. <laughs> very reluctantly. Oh my God. But I live in Australia and I would like to be considered in the Australian category. Again, Kat, we're not categorizing. It's an open competition. Um, I think this is good though, because apart from Scandinavia, the main two entries have been, mean a lot from America. America and Australia Again, are the two. But you did start like two letters back by telling me there'd been a lot more Australian entries. <laughs> there have. Well, there's a lot to go. Oh, we're, okay. we're, just, we're just drinking the cream from the top. Okay. World. Okay. Uh, this is from Ash. Macho Bin Randy Garbage. <laughs> I love it. Your wrestling note. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, Friday night um, it was Gemma's birthday and so we had some uh, drinks across the road from our apartment and my sister was babysitting and I was sort of going back and forth from where the drinks were happening just to check an Iona. And it was about 11 o'clock on a Friday night and as I'm leaving the venue to go home there are some yahoos some young yahoos running down the street serious? yep they run past my place what do they do? kick my recycle bin over (laughs) they fucking did it I saw it I didn't imagine it gangy teens running past they kick my recycle bin over but you know what? I didn't say anything I thought about what that person who wrote in a couple of weeks ago talking about my anger management issues and rather than yell at them I was like Teenagers, what are you going to do? I probably did something similar. I do publicity interviews for Gruen. Mm. So you'll talk to a series of radio stations and, you know, the Gruen plug's going to be part of it, but often you're just part of whatever's going on in their world. You come in and just be funny with, you know, they're all going to the final notices or whatever. And the other day, they'd obviously been discussing on the show and taking calls on bin etiquette. And so I come on and they lob me what they think is just their standard little, you know, we'll just do a little bit on this and then we'll get to the main body of the interview. And then they hear the 10 minutes of material I have on bin etiquette that has come out of the discussions I've had with you on this podcast. They were just like, what just happened? Here is my thesis. I am the goodwill hunter. They were like, I had so many opinions about it. And they all just came out so naturally. And I was like, 
And they said, well, what if it's already out on the street? And I said, well, that's absolutely fine. Once you release it from me. And like, they're like, how do how you have so, so many much- firm <laughs> opinions on this? I'm like, well. <laughs> to Colin Fop, this is much have been Randy Garbage. I'm not a doctor, but I have used syringes to drain the blood from my own ears to prevent cauliflower ear. While I never really considered myself to be a macho man, I managed to tick off Charlie's initial list of macho activities. I hunt for meat, not trophies. I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling and compete when COVID allows, hence the cauliflower ear. I ride a motorbike. I bought a house recently, and it's amazing how handy you can be after seeing some quotes from tradies. I'm a firefighter, professional, and work more generally in pest management, so I do get to do a decent amount of shooting and killing all from the north coast of New South Wales. So pick me as you march a man or I'll fucking smash it. Well, firstly, I admire the threat. Yeah. This is a man who deals with poisonous scorpions. Yeah. Professionally. That said... Banned from Norway. Won't let him in. That said, I've been having an ethical dilemma. And I think that's uh, an intentional misspelling of B-I-N instead of bean. Where I live, we have fortnightly alternate bin collection for rubbish and recycling. I think that's pretty common for everywhere, right? Mm. The house I have has dual street frontage and happens to be on the bin boundary. So by having... Do you think that is common? Fortnightly? Yeah, the recycling every fortnight. Is that not? Oh, am I sounding like a city boy? Well, no. So in the country, absolutely. So it's alternate bins. So our recycling bin goes out every fortnight and then on the alternate week, the um, regular bin goes out. But in the city here, we just yeah, every week there's a bin. every week they just pick and every up second week's a recycle. No, what? Every week? Oh no, but it has to be on the side of the road you're on. No, it's not. It's not. People just abuse the the rule. It's it's still fortnightly, but some people just put their bins out and we'll run it to the other side of the road. It's all like it's no. even numbers and odd numbers. I'm all positive. One well, that may be the rule. All right, but it's not the rule in the neighbourhood either. <laughs> oh, because yes. I put out my bins every week, and they take the stuff every I imagine week, and so does everybody the else. Rate the rate payers street. in your neighbourhood <laughs> would have some pretty high up connections in the Liberal government, I'm imagining. So, yeah, that would be I did not realise that I live in some sort of privileged enclave when it came to bidding collection. No, I realise in every other sense of all- our proximity to the beautiful it took, harbour. It, it took till my bins were collected every week that I realised I'm quite privileged. The fact that I got some brand new leather chairs on a hard rubbish night. Didn't tip you off. No. Um, okay, so I have a house that's dual street frontage and happens to be in the bin boundary. So by having a bin on each street, I can get all of my bins taken out weekly. Okay. I know Joe Hockey would see this as double dipping, but I have nappy aged children, so my red bin is literally full of shit. Do you think this is a good enough reason to divert council bylaws or should I engage in some self-reflection? I think that's fair enough. I often put my recycle bin out every week. I just walk it to the other side of the road because um, uh, the shop I live above, they, because it's a, it's a bin for the whole building, they often fill it with their you know, retail cardboard and stuff. So there's very little room for my cake boxes and things like that. So I am completely unqualified to speak on this based on the fact that, <laughs> that you thought they get taken I every week. I just thought they took it every week. <laughs> and to finish, I started listening to in 2013, that was the peak Fofop era for me. The last 12 months have been pretty full on. Last year I bought a house in May and attempted to have it renovated before I had my second kid in July, then started fighting fires in September, which took me up until January 
And on the strength of all this, in February, I had a bit of a mental collapse. I just wanted to say thank you for providing the perfect level of inane dick jokes <laughs> to keep me out of my own head. So that's right. Put down the hose, mate. We'll bring up some hoses. It'll make you laugh. <laughs> uh, to keep me out of my own head as I tried to sleep in the depths of my anxiety and I listened from episode one onwards. To paraphrase Jimmy Barnes on some other podcast I heard, even macho men to take care of their heads. So thank you for the help and keep up the good work. And I'm not trying to be funny, but his name is Ash. So firstly, I have a top four. I'm, I'm t- totally happy for Ash to be in this competition because yeah. he's a fucking hero. Yeah. That's what he is. Like if we were finding Tofop's hero listeners, Ash would be in the finals of that. The fact that his name is Ash is just very on brand. <laughs> the fact that he's trying to be in touch with his mental health, I think is incredibly macho. Yep. And um, clearly all those things that he's doing are, are absolutely qualified to be macho in this competition. Good entry. I think there Good are, solid I think, entry, Ash. I think there's lots of things about that that was on brand. I mean, the fact that he was referencing bins is very on brand. And I think we do talk about mental health on this show a lot, at least from the correspondence I seem to get. People yeah. like it when we talk about mental health. So that's a good thing because if we can make it demystify it, make it not seem like something that people can't talk about, then that's only Well, I was say, saying to you before we started recording that like I've had some real, like I was feeling really grumpy today, like really grumpy. And I, it took me ages to work out what the reason was. And it was to do with this year and, the challenges that this year has like produced in, but in a way that I did not expect I was having a reaction to. And I think that if we don't talk about that, Justin and I have been talking about it a lot on Fofop. It's got pretty brutal and pretty raw to be honest. But if is, if that's the sort of conversation you would like to hear, then um, check out those Fofop episodes. I uh, had a similar thing happen last week where the end of last week, I was so Gemma actually stopped me. And was like, are you depressed? Are you something going on? Are you depressed? And I was so dark and I was in such a kind of dark place. But I think what it was, because I only had been sick all last week, had fevers and stuff, and so I wasn't getting much sleep. I think it was five subsequent days of two hours sleep because I was like, I got offended at first at the question that, because in my head, I'm doing my best and I'm trying to keep up with things. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't. I, what I've come to realize is what I think is going on internally is not always <laughs> what is going on externally. And so when she brought it up, I initially I got my back up about it and then I sort of took it on board and we talked about it. And I said, what have I been doing that's making you think all this? And she just sort of picked all the things that have been doing. And a lot of it was my physicality and, you know, the lack of engagement and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then I had a full night's sleep. And I tell you what, it fucking fixed everything. That's what it was. I didn't know it at the time, but, you know, it was clearly... Because I was getting worried. I was like, fuck, do I need to go back and talk to someone about this? Because I don't want, you know, I've got a kid in the house and blah, blah, blah. But it turns out just having that conversation with someone and then being able to nut it out and then just try a simple thing like, well, maybe tonight, can you take the baby and I'll go to bed early? Totally put me back on track. So I can highly recommend if maybe you're feeling a bit like that. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people working very hard at the moment, very stressed out with work to see if maybe you can get a good night's sleep because it worked wonders for me. I've got to say that that's the one thing that you asked me this again off air, but um, my sleeping's great. I've never slept more. In fact, I think that's part of why I'm feeling weird because I was saying to you that, yeah, part of it is that I just, I've had 25 years of being on this cycle of traveling and doing these shows where like doing a show, particularly with an audience, there is an adrenaline 
that goes with that. Sometimes it means you can't sleep as well at night. You've been drinking. My lifestyle has been really different. And I've been in the same place. Even doing the TV show, it feels like we kind of make the TV show. We do a rehearsal and we go home. We don't really do the show mm. at all. And so my body, in some really positive ways, has reacted really well to that. Like I feel actually healthier. I'm not in as much pain from not traveling as much, all these sort of things, but not sleeping in unfamiliar beds. But then there's this other thing where I was just like, I'm feeling really like grumpy and lethargic. And I was just like, yeah, because all you've done all year is just, I mean, it's why I still have loved doing these shows because at least I've been doing something with someone else that feels a bit creative. But yeah. I think I'd be undervaluing just the way your body feels. Your body is used to you going through, like for me, mm. trained it for 25 years. This is how you operate. You move from place to place. You get this adrenaline rush at night. You sleep you know, during the day, all these sort of things. My sleep is incredible now. Like yeah. it's, I sleep so well and so much, like, you know, not too much, but like I sleep adequately in a way that I haven't for years. So that bit's really fucking good. But I am feeling now like I need a little jolt. You know, I need a little... Why is fucking life so hard? It's really <laughs> Why hard. do you have to spin all those plates? Like you get your you get your, your career going well, but then physically you get let down. Or then you get your body okay, but then mentally you're getting roadblocks. It's so fucking hard to keep these things all on an even keel. Right. Like I'm doing that thing at the moment where I'm like, I, I'm very happy about the idea that I'm going to take my time to go back to stand up. I'm just going to go back when I'm ready when I really feel like I've got something to say, but it means that I'm going to have to push through this. Mm. Like, it feels like I'm getting, like you're getting your body fit or whatever and you hit a plateau. Yeah. I feel like this year I've done a lot of rearranging the plates, rearranging what I think about life, like where my life even is, being yeah. at home, like in a way that I just have not been in quarter of a century, not doing shows, like rearranging the way you think about life. And now I think, oh, I'm in a little plateau. This is what has happened. I had yeah. all that momentum of trying to change things and now I'm in a little bit of a plateau. And it's also that thing of like once you aren't going at a million miles an hour and you actually have to like deal with your thoughts right. <laughs> and how you feel about things and, and you can't distract yourself with work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you can't like run away from your shit. And basically I've been doing that, like not necessarily intentionally, yeah. but it's just in What are you running from, it. man? I don't know. I guess I'm just running for myself. Really, to be honest, just having to find something else to pay my bills because this is the bit of it that is is actually starting to terrify me is I don't really know how to make money. <laughs> I don't do Yeah, fucking hell. Uh, this is another female entrant, Will, Marina. Hey, lads. Definitely not your most macho listener. Okay. Given that I spend most of my listening time embroidering and doing cross-stitch. Mm. This has led to Tofop inspired stitches that have led to questions from anyone who sees my apartment. Can we see some of those bloody Tofop embroideries? I'd love to see a Tofop bloody, uh, what are they? What are they called? What are they embroidery things? What do you call them? Do they have a name? Or is it just an embroidery? An embroidery. You know, the, the ones that people, grandmas put on their wall and stuff. Yeah. And Bless this house. Yeah. Home sweet home. Yeah. Cool, <laughs> cool things, things for cool, cool people. people. <laughs> it's a good merch idea, really. Mm. I wanted to tell you about the first and last macho moment of my life. It's not the biggest horse in Norway, but I got into a fight with a kangaroo when I was five years old. Love not it. bad. Bit of Aussie flavor. I'm from Sydney, and in kindy, they thought it would be a good idea to take us inner city kids to a wildlife park. 
The day was going all right, aside from the bit where my teachers forgot me in a hiking shed. Okay. A lot of fucking neglected people this week. Just Three days later line. when they returned. <laughs> <laughs> Lunchtime arrives and now they have us in a field with a bunch of wallabies and kangaroos all lazying around. So I'm eating my sandwich at a picnic bench when this kangaroo rocks up. In my childhood memory, it was a fully grown, it was fully grown, two meters tall, really jacked, etc. But it was probably a joey that was around my height. Anyway, the kangaroo decides it wants my peanut butter sandwich and bites down it while I'm in transmission. <laughs> so it stops there. Got caught up typing my first message, then they managed to send it before the whole story. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> the kangaroo bites down on my sandwich, which I'm still holding. It does not occur to me that I might lose this fight, so I decide to tighten my grip and pull my sandwich towards me. Yeah, see, this is your mistake. Yeah. Just At let, that let stage, sandwich. it's not your She's sandwich five. anymore. She's five, though. Now, the roo is getting pissed, so it scratches at me, gouges my arm hard enough that it's scarred. I was going to scratch it back, because now I'm pretty mad, when this boy in my class jumps between me and the kangaroo. He also gets bloodied before any adult actually intervenes and stops this roo from savaging these five-year-olds. Who's this kid? I mean, like he, think that kid was, if he listens yeah. to the podcast, <laughs> he might him. be the most macho listener. And that's the story of how I came back uh, with bruises and a bleeding arm from my very first field trip uh, from a fight with a kangaroo. Now that I live overseas, it's a good story at parties because it really sells an image of dangerous outback Australia. Absolutely. Cheers for all the pods that have been keeping me laughing even though I'm not a doctor. That's all right. You don't have to be a doctor to listen to the show. It's just that the ones who do are better people than the rest of you. <laughs> not a lot of doctors in the most much a listener category. Terry, two colon fop. I've been a listener from the beginning. This is my first time writing in. I don't believe that I'm the most much a listener anymore. But a few years ago, I might have given the title fair crack. Although I've never been kicked by a country's biggest horse. For years, I played sport at a relatively high level. State level three sports in rugby league, Aussie rules, and soccer. Okay. That's macho. Yeah, pretty much. As well as winning a national youth title in boxing. Oh, macho. Macho. I mean, fucking, it's good enough for Liam Neeson. As we know, Liam Neeson's macho. <laughs> Don't want to take his daughter. During my time playing sport, I broke it or be an black person <laughs> that, didn't Liam get cancelled a few weeks ago for yeah, a month ago or something let's not back over it if we don't know the full details <laughs> during my time playing sport I broke a number of bones 10 in fact and the most prominent times included playing over a half of rugby league with a broken leg and playing the final quarter of an Aussie rules match with a broken jaw okay this is That's all pretty tough. real pretty much tough. tough during my teenage years I was also a drug addict and a drug trafficker, and I was arrested at Darwin Airport with 1.5 kilos of coke. It's not really that much, though, but it relates to the next part. I thought you was about to say it's not really that much. <laughs> Come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> like my personal use, mate. 1.5 kilos. I don't know if that's macho, but it's kind of badass. It's like, badass, definitely. In the, in the kind of, you know, we all grew up watching Scarface and stuff, and it's like, oh, he's a fucking, he's a yeah. bloody drug runner. In Darwin, too. Exactly. Fucking, that's like the Wild Wild West. It's pretty macho. It's a different kind. Of, it's like an anti-hero macho. Yeah, but I'm intrigued. Oh, me, definitely. I turned to drugs because I witnessed my best friend, who was also my first girlfriend, get hit by a car and oh. die when I was 13. Fuck. This fucked me up. Yeah. Yep. My life spiraled out of control. This would be the first of many times I've experienced the black dog. Around this time, my family were going through a tough time financially and we became homeless. Oh. 
Being homeless hardens you very quickly, especially as a teen. I turned to drugs after surviving a suicide attempt and have gotten an offer to run drugs after fucking up my knee and not being able to box anymore. Fucking hell. This is, I mean, from where he was in terms of like being like a state level athlete to that, fucking hell. I mean, it's a different category of macho, isn't it? Yeah. It's been fun up until now. But yeah, now, now it's real. Somebody's <laughs> someone's made it fucking real. This is, yeah, that's totally true. It's like we've been like, Going, oh yeah, the Hulk is macho and Thor's macho. And then someone's showed us a prison documentary. We're like, holy shit. Is that what happens? Oh my God. Is that what we have to do to survive? Can't he send a lightning bolt out or something? Isn't there a serum that makes him strong? Oh my God. Is this what the world's like? We just wanted to like, be able to hammer a nail or something. <laughs> Kicked by a big horse. I realize none of this is your typical, typical muchness. And that's not, but it's you've not. totally opened up a new category. Yep. Which made it very hard for us to be the winner. And by the way, to clarify, there are no categories. <laughs> <laughs> I've done, uh, I've done some of that. I've worked as a stonemason in factories on oh, cars, been stabbed, yeah. and not gone to the hospital. Some of the common themes so far, but muchoness for me is the ability to come forward when you're facing hard times. I checked myself into rehab at the age of sixteen. I've been clean for eleven years. Congrats. I now work as a youth worker. I mean, this is pretty much oh, so. like if I was oh. pitching, if I was pitching like a, a a show to like NBC or something like that, it'd be like, listen, this guy's had a fucking the roughest right. upbringing, but he's kicked drugs and now he works at the youth center and he helps other kids turn their lives around. Here's what I'm going to say. Whether or not this person, what is this person's name? Terry. Terry. Whether or not Terry is Tofop's most macho listener or not. This is the best TED Talk I've ever heard. <laughs> this is amazing. So I'm a youth worker and I'm studying uh, a master's in teaching. Not macho at all. Mate, very macho. But seeing some of the really macho kids at my work feeling comfortable about opening up and admitting when they're not okay is the most macho thing ever. <laughs> I'm going to cry. This is beautiful. I want to thank you both for all you do encouraging people to seek help. And thank you for all the laughs. I look forward to listening when you're both in the nursing homes talking shit about The Rock and the Food Fighters. <laughs> Keep it up. Shit, Will. We got, I think we've got like four finalists now. Five. Five. So we've got what? Cat. Cat. Ian. Terry. Elias. Ian. Terry. And who was before Terry? Melina, the cross-stitcher? No, before Melina. Ash? Oh, yeah, Ash. firefighter. Ash, the firefighter. Fuck hell. All right. This is from Simon. Macho with cheese. To Colin Fop, I've been listening to the Macho Man submissions over the past few episodes. I wasn't initially going to chime in because I don't go for arbitrary definitions of masculinity. But your request for more Aussie Macho listeners convinced me to throw my hat in the ring. So you do go for arbitrary requests to patriotism? <laughs> I am a super heavyweight powerlifter. Oh, okay. I spend a large part of my free time in dark gyms, moving heavy discs up and down for no other reason than to prove I can. Oh. I hate fighting, but on the rare occasions I was left with no other choice, I always won. Yeah, so he only fights when he has no other choice, <laughs> as opposed <laughs> He only fights when he knows he's going to win. Yeah. I used to work as a general laborer on building sites. This is, I mean, this is, this whole process of the last three weeks has opened my eyes to who listens to this show. I think the, the whole point of this, right, was to find out if everyone listens to the show was just nerds like you and me. But it turns out we cross many aisles. Well, yeah, at least there's some exceptions in each of these categories. Most <laughs> Predominantly. Of them, most of them offshore. 
every person who wrote, if there was a fight between every TOEFL listener and the, only the people who had written into us, yeah. who would win? Oh, no, the people who had written, <laughs> written in. <laughs> there's like 17 of them and there's like, I don't know, 30, 40,000 of the rest and they kick the shit out of all of us. <laughs> um, I hate fighting, but I win. I used to work as a general labourer on building sites and although I'm now in an office job, I mean, my image of what... Uh, um, Simon looks like is Mr. Incredible. Like he's just ginormous. And so seeing him in an office job, I'm imagining like just you walk past a cubicle and you just see one guy who's like four feet bigger than the others just yeah. on a tiny little chair trying to type away at a computer with his fingers. Wearing a suit made of other suits. <laughs> <laughs> Although I work in an office job, I'm able to do my own handyman work around the house. Yeah. I've done electrical work, plumbing, carpentry, plastering and simple mechanical repairs all without ever injuring myself. I don't mean to talk shit about some of the other entrants. Yeah. I don't believe in arbitrary labels. I don't talk shit about people. What sort of he's going to do here, Will? I reckon that he's going to talk shit about the other contestants. I don't want to talk shit about the other entrants, but I don't think doing dumb stuff and getting hurt makes you manly. That's a fair point. But in our... Look, was, in, was Elias showing his mate the world's biggest horse dumb stuff? In retrospect only. Beforehand, no, what a great plan. You've got a mate who's terrified of something. Let's traumatise him. <laughs> I was... I, what I, are you most afraid of? Me? Yeah. Oh, um, Drowning, I think. Okay, so if I showed you that it doesn't really work for drowning. What? Like if I showed you, you an ocean. No, no, if you... It does work. If you took me to like a cliff top or something like that where there was no way of me getting back up but I had to swim to shore and pushed me in because you're like... Because I can swim... My fear of drowning has nothing to do with my ability to swim. It's just that that's a fear I have. Every time I'm out in the water, I'm like, what if I get a cramp? What if I have a heart attack? What if, what if I'm happens? too far away from shore? Or yeah. Whatever? So I, and I, I, it's even as a grown man, when I'm swimming where there's like an easily accessible ladder out of a pool or whatever, part of me is always like, what if something happens and I can't reach the shore? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Don't, no one use that against me. No, if you see me standing on a clifftop, do not take that as an invitation to push oh, me I in, to toughen me keeping up. Keeping it in mind. <laughs> I wear heavy jeans and boots all year round with my shaved head and beard. I reckon I look pretty macho. I like to smoke meats. Is that some euphemism? Mm. <laughs> uh, is that macho? It depends what you mean. No, bloody I, meat I, I believe that meat smoking is... Doesn't Hester Blumenthal is his specialty or something? Does he smoke meats? I think that's his. He has a range of barbecues. Oh, I don't know if Hester Blumenthal is macho, so maybe not. No, doesn't matter. I get very tasty meat from the end of it. I'm the father of three, all males. I'm so macho I couldn't even have any daughters. <laughs> now wait a minute. You don't believe in arbitrary definitions of masculine or macho-ness. So uh, anyway, thanks for all the last and keep up the good work, Simon. Not a macho name, I know. No, it's not really. Although pretty good, Simon. Though pretty good entry. I think it's good entry, but hasn't made the cut. Just did only can, because. I mean, we've had some amazing entries. That yeah, it's not a reflection on Simon. Okay, the final entry is another female. Sonia, two colon fop re macho fop. Oh, she's written quite a quite an essay. <laughs> just raise the uh, font on this because I need reading glasses. Look. I was just going to let this whole macho fop thing go right up to Will's comment about him thinking that maybe women aren't writing in about macho fop because they're intimidated. Fuck off. We're not intimidated. It's just that 
The often simple experience of being a woman is so far beyond a few broken bones, giant horses and motorbikes that we're sitting back thinking, come on, you little snowflakes. Is this the best you got? You know what? I knew my taunting would work. (laughs) I've done enough years in professional broadcasting to know the best way to get somebody to respond is the claim that nobody will respond. I'm a woman who successfully worked her whole career in a very male-dominated industry. I'm not going to name the industry because despite using a pseudonym, Anyone who knows me is going to have a fair chance of guessing okay. who this right. is without that detail. Yeah, okay, sure. When I was two, my brother chopped off my finger. My parents freaked out. I calmly watched while the surgeon reattached it. Two years old, and I had my finger reattached under a local anesthetic and stayed calm the whole time. Okay, that's pretty much right. I mean, I must admit, if I saw my kid reacting like that, I'd be like, Something's wrong yeah, with that I kid. You were definitely, <laughs> it's like something was wrong that, with your child. You were like, you have a demon child. Yeah, check her head for a triple remember? six. The good news is that the uh, finger is back on the right <laughs> way, but her head may spin around because we have a demon child. People have broken a few bones. Ha! When I was in my 20s, look, if Macho was defined by like obnoxiousness, <laughs> Sonia would be in with a great chance. Ha! <laughs> well, I added that for a fact. I must have been. People have broken bones. When I was in my 20s, I broke my neck in a skiing accident in the European Alps. Okay. No one would get a ski patrol. So I skied to the bottom of the mountain with a broken neck. You know who Sonia reminds me of? Do you remember the, I think it was the second series of the UK office. There was Gareth's mate, the IT guy, who was like, would pull him up on getting the names of Bruce Lee films wrong. You know, it's Enter the Dragon, not Way of the Dragon. It's like, all right. All right. All Sonia. right, Sonia. We no, get one, it. no one wanted to call the ski patrol. Everyone's like, let her die. <laughs> she won't stop mocking us. <laughs> I can't understand why I keep getting left behind places. Yeah, Sonia, it's a real mystery. Yeah, real, real head scratcher. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, is your neck all right? right? Should be all right. Oh, God damn it. Oh, God. <laughs> I got driven to the oh, medical. I don't have any bars up here. <laughs> I don't have any bars. So. I got obstacle. I got driven to the medical center and only passed out when they tried to X-ray me while I was standing up. Discharged myself from the hospital that night despite a significant brain injury. <laughs> Maybe not despite. Maybe because of. <laughs> despite a significant brain injury that nearly required a pressure release drill hole in my skull. Nearly was uh, back at work the next week. He's scared of bears. What, what, you were back at work a week after something nearly happened? (laughs) (laughs) So he's scared of bears. I have been bitten by a redback spider, which chopping wood, uh, while chopping wood, which resulted in my skin ulcerating, and it's as gross as you're thinking, as I didn't go to a doctor for a week. And for an extra bit of Aussie, Twice in my life, I've been struck by an eastern brown snake, but narrowly avoided being bitten. I mean, I am quite impressed. Yeah. I mean, look, the resume is fantastic. Yeah. It's the tone will not, that I object to, which is I don't want to tone police somebody. I know, but that's the thing, because that's not one of our criteria. We, we no. never mentioned you have to tell us politely, but we have responded very well to humble macho listeners. Yeah. And this is Maybe not this. Maybe this is more about us. That we've reacted to. We're too. We're, too we're, sno- we're the snowflake she's fucking talking she about. She was right. She start. had us fucking nailed. Yeah. Oh, and I've also rebuilt a vintage four wheel drive just for fun. Oh, yeah. Been held up at Sword Point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sword Point. 
Where were you held up at sword point? At what Renaissance fair? In ye olden days. (laughs) Sonia's a time traveller. Put your hands up, good lady. I shall procure your pearls. Um, Okay. Uh, I've been held up at sword point. I faced down a burglar who was armed with a shotgun. I was unarmed and only a teenager at the time. This is all pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. I don't want to give it to her. <laughs> no, no, no. She's in. We're still going. We're she's still in, going. Though. She's in. in I reckon to stop she's that. In I mean, yeah. I mean, facing someone down with a shotgun. That's the most cinematic of all the entrants. Well, being kicked by the biggest horse in Norway. And well, a sword, a shotgun. I mean, I guess that one sentence has so many incredible details. <laughs> it's sort of like they negate each other. It's like having too many like Brownlee medalists in your midfield. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just a bit like, mate, I, I want to know which order it was in because it was shotgun sword. Of course, you're not intimidated by a sh- sword. But no, she worked her way up. Like your fire, yeah. she's worked her way up. She was like, I reckon I can handle a gun. Sword point and face down a burglar who was armed with a shotgun. I was, uh, I was unarmed and only a teenager at the time. But what happened? How did it resolve? Did you talk him out of it? Did you just annoy him to the point where he's like, fuck it, it's not <laughs> worth it? Whatever, mate. <laughs> You need a gun to feel like a man, do you? I mean, just generally the most unpleasant victim of crime I've ever come across. <laughs> but none of these things are the roughest thing I've ever had to deal with. In my 20s, I was diagnosed with endo, en, uh, endo, oh, can you endometriosis. Endo, endomet, endometriosis. Yeah, it's a very endometriosis and painful and very hard to treat Um you know? Endometriosis. Yes, endometriosis. Since my diagnosis, I've had 16 abdominal surgeries and over 16 years in an attempt to manage the condition, including yeah. the removal of significant parts of my reproductive system. Yeah, it's a very, it, it's quite a common, um, like in varying degrees, it's a quite a common thing and it isn't spoken about nearly enough because in the great way that we have of making women just, you know, have to shush it. That'll make us feel uncomfortable to know that so many of you are in so much pain. Starting to get an idea of where Sonia's anger is yeah, coming from. Gotta be honest with you, based on this alone, entirely justified. <laughs> Definitely in Sonia. Old mate who lost one one who lost one ball, lightweight. I've had over an ovary rupture while I was at work. Yes, that's exactly as painful as it sounds, I can't imagine. Finished my work before going to hospital the next day. She's very committed to her occupations. Yeah. Every time we'll get the job done. She won't say what it is, but she's rocking up. Checked myself out of an overnight stay. I lived the next six months working full-time and studying uh, post-grad uni part-time with a ruptured ovary. Eventually had surgery to remove it. Pathology showed it had ruptured due to endo. I now live with one semi-functional ovary, so I am now perimenopausal. Approximately 11% of women of reproductive age have this condition and the cause is unknown. How many? What was the percentage? 11% of okay. reproductive age women. And the treatments are limited. Uh, research, uh, it, research for it receives less government funding than type 2 diabetes, a disease with a known cause that is completely preventable with appropriate lifestyle choices. Big Pharma invests less time and money in developing treatments than they do for male erectile dysfunction. I'm not a medical professional, but to all those medical professionals who I know are listening to this, Please educate yourself about this. Currently, it takes on average between 7 to 10 years for women to receive a diagnosis. And a lot of this time is due to a lack of understanding in the medical profession and the minimization and normalization of women's pelvic pain. 
My endo story may sound extreme, but I'm actually one of the lucky ones. I've been able to hold down a job and study despite this disease. For women, it's completely debilitating and rules every aspect of their lives. So you want macho? I submit that 11% of all these women are macho for one reason alone. Imagine their stories if they chose to tell them. Okay, so here's what I will say. Absolutely 100% true. One in 10, right? And those statistics, I did not know those about erectile dysfunction and type 2 diabetes, but I absolutely know a few people who suffer from you know, various you know levels of endometriosis. And not only is the fact that it's such a chronically painful and hard to treat disease, but the fact that because of the nature of where it is, all the procedures, the checkout, like, I mean, like I've got a sore back, but if somebody needs to check out my back, you just like, you know, go into a place and you lift up your shirt and they have a look at your back. Whereas like for endometriosis, you're talking about often about very invasive and like, you know, and, and then you've got the extra thing of it being tied up with reproduction and the, you know, role that that plays, Mm. you know, in some women's lives and the trouble that they can have with that. Like, it's not just, like the disease itself, the fact that it's one in 10, that it should be getting more attention. But the fact that it's such a debilitating disease, absolutely, 100%. I could not, I'm so glad that Sonia, I'm so glad that I bullied Sonia into writing <laughs> into this podcast because I could not agree more with everything that she said. All right. So we have six on the podium. Yeah, definitely Sonia. That is a good squad. Like, it's well-rounded. We're not doubling up. This is actually an Avengers Assemble style situation where you just All like, different kinds of macho. We're going to do a job. We need... Yeah, this is our macho 11. We can yeah. have 11. You know what? I'm opening it up. We've still got... I want to... You and me, we get to go along. Oh. We plan the caper. We're yeah. not really the people yeah. who... We're the, we're the Nick Furies. So there's four more spots left in our macho 11. And and so are there four more spots? There's only six, right? Oh, sorry. There's yeah, sorry. There's, there's, six. there's three more spots. Macho eleven. Why is it the Macho eleven? Because like Ocean's eleven. Okay. I feel like we're getting together a posse. Okay. And everyone has a cross section of like individual skills. Yeah. And at the moment, we have a very well rounded posse. So we've got four more places to fill. They can be. You don't need to compete with the people who are already there, right? Now you just need to find your own individual niche in our macho world. Yeah. So we've got, just to recap, we've got Sonia. Yeah. So Sonia's our, you know, like fiercely intelligent. Firebrand. Overcome paint. The Wolverine. Yeah. The, like, yes, exactly. Right. You know, so absolutely 100%. The moral compass. Yeah. Reminds us of Berserker rage. It's all, but also, yeah, a little passive aggressive berserker rage. Um, okay, so you've got Ash. He's our hero. Like Ash Captain is America. Our, you know, our proper hero. You know, he's had to deal with the ramifications of his actions and what he's seen, but he's, you know, willing to go back out there again and do it again. And so, yeah, that's Ash. Then you got Terry, a uh, state-level athlete who... Uh, um, oh, no, so that's... Yes, that's right. So Terry is a state-level athlete who uh, uh, turned into drugs yep. and then kicked it and now helps get people off drugs. Helps people get people off drugs. I mean, that's perfect. Then you got Kat, who's basically Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Uh, and Elias, 
You've got who's the comic this... relief? <laughs> who will get kicked in the head and back by any big thing that we have to fight. All right, so that's one. Elias, one. Cat, two. Uh, Ash, three. Terry, four. Oh, no, so it's only five. Oh, no. Sonia. What about um, Ian? Oh, and Ian. Ian, who who never refuses a fight. (laughs) And despite the fact that he doesn't have insurance, he also might be a bit of comic relief. Yeah, he's the guy who doesn't have a superpower, but the rest of the superheroes yeah. are like, Let's just bring him along. Yeah. Just make sure he doesn't get into trouble. Like, right. you know, <laughs> he thinks he's got the power to never lose a fight. Despite the fact that he's never won a fight. <laughs> Once he had to fight these two mates. But anyway, again, I'll point out he has no insurance. <laughs> we offer it as part of this organization, but he refuses. Okay, so there's three slots. Yeah, three slots. Left. So la- next week is your final opportunity. Yeah, that's good. To throw your hat into the ring. So if you want to do that, you go to tofop.com and there's a contact page uh, down the very bottom. Select tofop. Just put down machofop in the subject heading or whatever you want and tell us why you should make the final three slots. And then we'll It have- might be as creative as what do we need. You know, you've heard what we have. Yeah. It might yeah, open that's up, a good point. Don't, it might open up If you're another Indiana Jones, I'm sorry, too late. Position's first, already been filled. First in best dress. Yeah. Yeah. But if you think you can approach muchness from another angle, and we've got comic relief as well, so no jackass style, oh, you know, my ball's caught fire or whatever. No, actually, send that one <laughs> I want to hear that story. Still want to hear about Still that. Still want to hear it. You may not make the team. Um, but yeah, open to you now. What are the last three things? What are we missing? What would you like to hear? I'd like to hear a religious, like who would be the mis- the mystic of our of our group. Someone who approaches it from like a spiritual angle, spiritual toughness. Yeah, I like that a you lot. Know, like like a, someone who's a who, priest who performed exorcisms. Yeah, or <laughs> well, like a that. person who used to be a monk. Yes, yes. Like you know, I spent three years living or lived in with shamans about, or something yeah, exactly, like that. Right? Can lower their body temperature to a certain mm. point just by Todd meditating. Yeah. We need Todd Sampson. <laughs> Wears novelty t-shirts five days <laughs> Knows away. about advertising. Um, all right. Well, that'll, let's plug a few yep. things. Um, so, Willosophy is uh, out this week with a very special guest. Australian Test Cricket Captain Tim Payne is on the show this week. It's a really good chat with Tim, so I would recommend you check that out. And if you like some footy chat, we're doing a summer series of Two Guys, One Cup where I chat with someone about their football club. And this week, it's Scott Dooley, who uh, phoned in from New York. Uh, it was great. I love having duels on two guys, one cup. Like that guy, he approaches the game with the same attitude as you and I. So there's a bit of football talk, but it's mainly analysis of comparing things to sitcoms and stuff like that. Uh, at some stage, we will do a final episode of Two Guys, One Cup for the uh, year as well, the two of us, but we just need to schedule that. Um, and uh, Fofop uh, with Dave Anthony. So his post-election special is uh, recorded and will be up by Excellent. the time people hear this. And if you're jonesing for more TOEFOP content, you can become a Patreon subscriber where you'll get a bonus podcast every two weeks when we remember to do it. There's one up there right now. There's also some great video content and uh, back issues of all our comic strips and a bunch of great stuff. And it's also the best way. We have sponsors from time to time, but you support us. The best possible way to do that is, is, is through Patreon. So thank you to everyone who has subscribed so far. Numbers keep going up, Will, and some go down, but just enough to keep us afloat. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson.
This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.